The Bradford Exchange presents The Classic Radio Theater with your host, Carl Amari. Countdown for blast off. X minus one. Yes, it's Maxwell House Coffee Time, starring George Burns and Gracie Allen. Richard Diamond, private detective. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. Suspense. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Dragnet. We offer you escape. Kraft presents the Great Gildersleeve. Yeah. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. Good evening, friends of the Inner Sanctum. The Jack Benny Program. Welcome, everyone, to episode 83 of the Classic Radio Theater. Each week, the Bradford Exchange and participating sponsors bring you three hours of the classic radio theater, featuring programming from the golden age of radio. This time, we'll hear two half-hour detective episodes of Boston Blackie starring Dick Kalmar from 1946. Stick around, we'll be right back. On radio, Boston Blackie was an ex-safecracker, consistently suspected of crimes he did not commit, and forced to play the role of detective to clear his name. Girlfriend Mary Wesley assisted Blackie from time to time. As the announcer reminded listeners each week, Blackie was enemy to those who make him an enemy, friend to those who have no friend. Blackie helped many underworld characters resolve their disputes with the law, and was forced to defend himself against the accusations of Inspector Faraday. Looking for a summer replacement for Amos and Andy, Frederick W. Ziv test-marketed Boston Blackie nationwide, starring Chester Morris, who was starring as Boston Blackie in a successful series of B-movies for Columbia. The program was a tremendous success and quickly went into production for syndication without Chester Morris. Beginning in 1945, Ziv released the first of what would be numerous package deals consisting of transcription discs to radio stations coast to coast. Broadway actor Richard Kalmar, husband to Dorothy Kilgallen, played Blackie. His gal pal Mary Wesley was played by Jan Minor and Leslie Woods. Boston Blackie proved to be among Ziv's most lucrative investments, running a close second to the Cisco Kid, but outshining his other radio ventures, including shows starring Red Skelton and Eddie Cantor. Time now for the first of two detective episodes of Boston Blackie, starring Dick Kalmar. In this first one, a truck carrying no cargo is mysteriously hijacked, and one of the drivers killed while the other one has vanished. Here's the Green Line Trucking Murder on Boston Blackie from July 16, 1946. Say, Mark, do me a favor, would you? What, Billy? I don't think I'd better ride the truck with you tonight. I'm not feeling so good. You're not, huh? No. You can drive the load through without me anyhow. Call the office and cover for me, huh? Sure, I'll cover for you, Billy. But you ain't kidding anybody. I know you're not sick. No? Uh-uh. We're traveling a dark route, and we're picking up a valuable load later on. Well, I know that, but I tell you, I don't feel so good. Don't pull that one on me. You probably got a date with the counter gal, Madge. Well, you can have off tonight just this once. I'll tell the office you were sick. I know you're not. Well, thanks, Mark. I'll do a favor for you sometime. Skip it. Maybe you are sick. When I think how some guys would like to have what I'll be toting in my truck tonight, and what they might do to get it, I don't feel so good myself. And now, on to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. (laughs) 
Yes, yes. Boston Blackie. Yes? May I come in? Yes, I think you'd better. I'd rather have you cry in here than out in the hall. I, I won't cry, I promise. You needn't keep that promise if you don't want to. A woman in tears means a woman in trouble. What can I do for you? My name's Linda Crane. I'm sure you don't want me to do anything about that. You have a bruise there on your cheek. What's on your mind? A bruise that's on my cheek. My husband hit me. Oh, I see. Well, I don't think... Oh, I'm that's a... not what I came to see you about. You see, we had a fight. He left, and I haven't seen him since. Since when? Well, it's been 24 hours since he's been home. I'm worried. It's not like him not to come home after work. Where does he work? For the big green line trucking company. He's a driver. Uh-huh. And his name? Mark. Mark Crane. Well, why come to me about it? Well, you're a private detective, and I... Oh, no, Mrs. Crane. I'm no detective. Just someone interested in seeing the little fellow get a square deal. I think you'd better take your troubles to the police. No, I can't do that. I can't. All right. I'll tell you what. You go on home and relax. If your husband doesn't show up in another 24 hours, let me know. All right. (laughs) Good. Now, go on home and don't worry. You and your husband just had a fight, and maybe he's just afraid to come home. But look, when he does come home, don't turn the other cheek. I won't. (laughs) Good. You're feeling better already about... Oh, Blackie. Oh, hiya, Mary. Come on in. This young lady was just leaving. Goodbye, Miss Crane. Goodbye, Blackie. Thanks. What did she want? And who gave her that present on her cheek? She wanted me, and the present was a gift from her husband. Mm-hmm. Isn't love wonderful? <laughs> yes. And now she's worried about him. Husband home in 24 hours. Oh, what's her husband do besides giving his wife testimonials of his affection? Drives a truck for the big green line. A fellow named Mark Crane. Well, anything interesting in the paper? I don't know. I bought it without looking at it. Well, let's see who made the headlines today. Not you, Blackie. You made them last week. Here you are. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Mary, look at this. What? Look who took my place in the headlines today. Who? A driver for the big Green Line Trucking Company. And his name was Mark Crane. And you know what that means, Mary. Mrs. Crane's missing husband turned out to be a found corpse. Who are you calling, Blackie? Calling Faraday. I laughed at Mrs. Crane for worrying about her husband, so the least I can do is help her find out who killed him. Police department? Rollins? Yeah? Let me speak to Faraday. He's not here. It's been a murder and hijacking the Big Green Line Trucking Company. He's over at the Big Green Line offices. Good. I'll run right over there and give him a hand. Oh, no, you won't. Inspector's got police guards at the Big Green Line offices just so you won't get near the place. Well, thanks for telling me, Rollins. Now, you get on the phone, call Faraday, and tell him to count me in because he won't be able to keep me out. Yes, Mr. Green, it's just what it looks like. A simple case of murder in the process of hijacking one of your trucks. But will you catch the men who killed my driver, Inspector Faraday? Sure, I'll catch him. Why... Does that window washer have to make all that noise? I think he's signaling us to open it. I'll wash him up. No wonder it's locked. I'll take care of it. As I was saying, Mr. Green... There, it's open now. Do you have any idea who wanted the load that truck was uh, carrying? Mind if I come in? No, wash your windows and get it over with. Maybe I ought to wash my face first. Blackie, what are you... Ah, uh, what's the use? You surrender, dear? Uh, Help me through the window, will you, Faraday? I'm not used to this sort of thing. I'd rather push you through it. What is this, anyhow? Uh, this is Boston Blackie, Mr. Green. Oh, now he's a window washer. Quiet, Faraday. You'll wake up your brain. Here, pull me in. I'd really like to pull you in. Here, give me a hand. Sure. There. Thanks, Faraday. Thank you. Ah, Where were you and Mr. Green before I so politely interrupted? Why, we were just... uh... What now? Excuse me. Uh, Come in. Uh, Mr. Green. Oh, I'm sorry. Come in, Joe. Come in. I, uh, I didn't know you had company, Mr. Green. Well, this is company. Maybe you'll want to meet Joe. Joe Baxter, Inspector Faraday of the police, and Boston Blackie. How are you? How do you do, gentlemen? Joe's my foreman and chief dispatcher. Do you have any idea who killed that driver, Joe? Oh, no, I don't, Inspector. In fact, I wasn't here yesterday. See, it was my day off. Uh, Mr. Green, here are the route reports from yesterday. Oh, thank you, Joe. I'll be around if you need me. I'll be in my office in the garage. Good. I may want to talk to you later. Oh, sure, Inspector. Now to get back to where we were before Joe came in. Where were we? Why, we were... Uh, Don't tell him a thing, Mr. Green. It's none of his business. Oh, but it is, Faraday. The dead driver's wife came to see me a couple of hours ago. She thought her husband was missing. Uh, he was missing, all right. He was right out of this world. Hey, but since when do people come to you to look for missing persons? 
Haven't they ever heard of me? Certainly. That's one reason why they come to me. Uh, I've heard all I want to hear from you. I've got to get to work and find out who hijacked that truck. Whoever did it also killed Mark Crane. Now, there is a brilliant piece of deduction. Go to the head of the class, Faraday, which is quite a distance from where you usually sit. What makes you think the truck was hijacked? Because, wise guy, when we found the truck, it was empty. Uh, Inspector, I've been trying to tell you about that. The truck Mark Crane was driving couldn't have been hijacked. It was traveling empty. What? Well, uh, Shut up, Blanky. Whatever you were going to say, don't say it. Uh, why didn't you tell me that truck was empty, Mr. Green? I've been trying to ever since you came in, Inspector Faraday, but you were too busy telling me about you. (laughs) Faraday's brain was hijacked years ago, and the loot was never recovered. I'll recover you. I'm going to uncover something on this case, uh, but not while you're around. I'll see you later, Mr. Green. Uh, Fine, Inspector. Don't go away mad, Inspector. I'd rather go away the way I am than stay here and let you drive me crazy. It's not a drive, Faraday. For you, it's just a short walk. Blackie, one of these days, I'll... Well, it's a good thing there's a law against it. (laughs) Good old Faraday. I'm really very fond of him. Now, Mr. Green, let's get started. What can you tell me about Mark Crane, the dead driver? Uh, Nothing, Blackie. He was new here. I'd never even met him. Oh, I see. Are you in the habit of letting new men take trucks out alone? Oh, he wasn't alone, Blackie. At least not when he started out. Uh, Billy Johnson was riding with him when the truck left here. Uh Uh-huh. Well, what happened to him? I don't know. He hasn't been heard of since uh, the accident. Disappeared, huh? Well, when you do hear from him, I want to hear from you. I'll see you later, Mr. Green. All right. I hope you can find out something pretty soon. I'm a little leery about letting my trucks roll again until this thing's cleaned up. My friend Mary Wesley's in your outer office. Between the two of us, we ought to dig up something. You'll hear from you, Mr. Green. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello, window washer. Hi, Mary. Let's get to work. My, I didn't have to wait out here as long as I thought. Well, don't be happy about it. I got out sooner than I thought I would because what I got out of Mr. Green was practically zero. Well, what Inspector Faraday got out of him must have been even less. Wow, was he angry when he went by me. When isn't he angry? Is this the way out? Nope. This is the way I came in. Uh, or is that the same thing? Don't ever try to find any difference, Mary. It'll take a lifetime. I parked the car right down this way. (laughs) Good. Did you find out anything from Mr. Green? I found out what was in the hijacked truck. What? Oh, nothing. Now, Blackie, don't be coy. What was in the truck? I told you, nothing. I know that's what you told me, nothing. Now tell me what was in the truck. Nothing. Want me to spell it for you? N-O. N-O, no. But, Blackie, if there wasn't anything in the truck, then why was it held up? That is something we've got to find out. Interesting question, isn't it? It's too interesting. Well, we don't know why anyone would want to rob an empty truck, but I'll tell you something I know. What? I wasn't wasting my time while I was waiting for you. What were you doing, whittling? You mean I quit me in the dark? Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I was detecting. Oh, what'd you find out? Something very interesting about that dead driver. Mr. Green's secretary told me that, although nobody was supposed to know it... Mm -hmm. The dead driver was Mr. Green's nephew. Yeah, that's it. What'd you say? It isn't what I said, darling. It's what she said. Mark Green, or Mark Crane, rather, was Mr. Green's nephew. Yeah, I heard that. I also heard Mr. Green say he didn't even know the dead driver. Now, why would he say that? In murder cases, there's a reason for almost anything, Mary, including the murder itself. Say, this case is getting more interesting every minute. Well, then I did the right thing when I talked to the secretary. You sure did, Mary. And you can do something else, too. The dead driver started out on his route with a writer named Billy Johnson. Johnson disappeared. Oh, my gosh, you don't expect me to find him, do you? <laughs> no, but find out all you can about him, huh? All right, I will. What are you going to do? Well, the dead man's wife was nice enough to drop in on me. I think I'll repay the visit. I've just been washing windows, so maybe she'll help me see through this case. <laughs> I uh, know your husband's death must be a shock to you, Mrs. Crane, but I've got to ask you a few questions. Why, of course, Inspector Faraday. Now, first of all, you went to see Boston Blackie today. Why? I went to see Boston Blackie? Yeah. Oh, Inspector, you must be mistaken. You you didn't go to see Boston Blackie? No. Well, I'll be... I'll get it, Mrs. Crane. Oh, thank you. Look, if you're... Blackie, what are you doing here? I'd ask the same thing of you, only I know the answer. Oh, you do, do you? Sure. 
One of the things you're doing is checking to make sure my story about Mrs. Crane coming to see me is true. That's right. And you were lying, Blackie. She didn't come to see you. What? Mrs. Crane, how can you say that? Now, I'll tell you how she can say it. Like this. I didn't go to see Blackie. But that's not true. Why do you lie to her, Mrs. Crane? I don't know. Uh, don't you... answer, Mrs. Crane. You don't have to. I'm leaving, Blackie. You're leaving with me. Oh, no, not yet. I'm not. Come on, come on. Mrs. Crane doesn't want to be bothered. If she doesn't like my being here, she can call a cop. You can tell her where to find one, can't you, Faraday? Blackie, one of these days I'm going to... Oh, no, no, you won't, Faraday. Remember, there's the law against it. You said so yourself. Uh... Well, what's this all about? Why did you tell him you didn't come up to see me today? Why? Because I never did go to see you. Oh, now, wait a minute. You wait. A minute, an hour, as long as you like. So far as I'm concerned, Blackie... I've never even seen you before in my life. And now, back to Boston Blackie. Mark Crane, truck driver, is found shot to death on a lonely road. Obviously, his murder is the work of hijackers. But it is later learned the truck was traveling empty. Also, Billy Johnson, the dead man's rider, has been missing since the murder. And to add to the mystery, Linda, the dead man's wife, who came to Blackie to report her husband missing, later denies she's ever seen Blackie before. As we return to our story, Blackie telephones Mary Wesley, who has been trying to find out something about the missing Billy Johnson. Hello, Mary. This is Blackie. You got back to your apartment at last, huh? Yes, I just a second got in. Good. Find out anything? Sure did. Billy Johnson has a sweetheart named Madge. She's a waitress at the rest a while. That's a roadside restaurant on Highway 19. Well, in that case, I know I can find out if Billy Johnson was on that truck when it was held up. I think I'll go out to the rest a while and see his sweetheart. All right, Blackie, but remember, she's his sweetheart. <laughs> I know, so you better come with me. Why? Don't tell me you're afraid to be alone with Billy Johnson's girlfriend. No, but if that truck driver caught me alone with a sweetheart, I wouldn't want to be alone with him. Burn one! Holy eyes! Yeah, what's yours? Your name Madge? Yeah, what's it to you? Oh, nothing. You're Billy Johnson's girl, aren't you? Yeah, how'd you know? I'm a friend of Billy's. Yeah? Huh. He never told me he had a pal who drives a swell car. Oh, that thing parked out there, I borrowed it from a friend. Yeah? And the dame in it. I suppose you borrowed her, too. <laughs> For a while. She comes with a car, the Luke's equipment. <laughs> One of Billy's pals, all right. All Billy's pals tell bum jokes. Well, we can't all be good. <laughs> uh, look, I gotta find Billy. He used to tell me you always knew where he was. He told you that, huh? Okay. He's living at Hyla's Cabins, shack number six. It's just down the road here, a couple of miles. He's using the name of Ralph Rogers. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Okay. Well, uh, so long. You're leaving? Yes, but uh, I'll be seeing you again. We'll make it soon, will you? I didn't know Billy had such a good-looking friend. And I didn't know Billy had a girl with such good taste. <laughs> See ya. Huh. See that you do. Let's go, Mary. I got what I wanted. I saw that girl you were talking to. What did you get? Information or a date? <laughs> Neither. An address. <sighs> and not hers, Billy Johnson's. Good. Where to, Master? Hyla's cabins. And when we talk to Mr. Billy Johnson, then what? We'll find out two things, I hope. Why someone would hijack an empty truck, and how it was that Billy wasn't killed, too. The place we're going to is just a few miles. Uh, here we are, Mary. Shack six. You want me to wait out here? Might as well. All right. You drove me so close to this door, and you can sit right here and still satisfy those nosy ears of yours. Nosy ears? What a picture. Say, this place of Johnson's, what a dive. Second thought, it's too small for a dive. It's more like a dip. No answer? No answer. 
So, maybe nobody's home. So, maybe the door's open. So, maybe you're right. Well, nobody home? Did you say, no body, Mary? You should have said, a body. A body? Yes, and definitely a dead one. Well, I wanted to know why Billy wasn't killed. Now I want to know why he was. Say, Mr. Green, since that hijacking yesterday, I'm having a lot of trouble getting a driver to make the night run. I can imagine so, Joe, but we've got to get the... Oh, come in. Hello, Mr. Green. Oh, hello, Blackie. Come in. Remember Joe, our foreman, don't you? Sure. Oh, yeah. Nice to see you. Have you found out anything yet, Blackie? Nothing that tells me why an empty truck should be hijacked, but I did find Billy Johnson, the dead driver's rider. But he couldn't talk. Why not, Blackie? He was dead, Joe. Oh, dead? What? Yes, I found him in his shack, shot to death. Oh, this I is think terrible. I... Uh, come in. Mr. Green, I'd like... Oh, I didn't know you had company. Well, Mrs. Crane, the girl who insists she doesn't know me. You know this young lady, Black? Yes, but only to be ignored by... I know her too, Mr. Green. She's Mark Crane's wife. And I think she's just in time to hear some interesting news, too. News? Well, it's going to make news one of these days. I have a clue to your husband's killer, Mrs. Green. A clue? What is it? You sure, Blackie? Positive. As soon as I check on it, I think I'll be able to name the murderer. I'd like to look around your garage, Mr. Green. Mind? No, in fact, I'll show you around myself. Good, let's go. Right away. Oh, oh, Mrs. Crane, is there something I can do for you? Yes, I, I came to see about the compensation papers my husband carried with your company, Mr. Green. Oh, oh yes, yes, of course. Uh, Joe, will you take her down to the ground floor and look over those papers with her? Sure, I'll be glad to. Uh, fine. Uh, all right, Blackie, we'll look over my plant. Where do you want to start? In your garage to see if any of your empty trucks are loaded for murder. Say, this is some garage, Mr. Green. Well, it has to be, Blackie. We're one of the biggest hauling companies in the city. Yes, I know. But one more murder and the big green line may be in the red, huh? I'm afraid so. Any of the trucks loaded yet? No, they always leave here empty. I see. And the death truck was empty, too, when it left here, wasn't it? Oh, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Say, what's this here on the wall? A bulletin board? Yes, that's where the drivers get their pickup orders. See? Who posts these notices? Uh, Joe, my foreman. He's the dispatcher here, except on his day off. Then I post the orders myself. Then you're the one who routed the truck driven by Mark Crane. Yes, I was. Uh, it was Joe's day off. Uh, but the order I posted was a reroute notice. A last-minute change from the order posted the day before. The truck skipped a stop where it was supposed to pick up a load, a place called Cassie's. Uh-huh. Look, Mr. Green, while you have a chance, why don't you tell me the truth about the dead driver? What do you mean, the truth? I mean you denied even knowing him, but I happen to know he's your nephew. Oh, you found that out, did you? Well, I wanted to keep it a secret. I thought if the other drivers knew it, it would be bad for their morale. You think your men didn't know it? Joe, your foreman, knew Mark's wife. I'm sure he knew who Mark was, too. Well, I suppose it was foolish of me. Oh, dear, I forgot something. Hey, excuse me a minute. I'll have to run back upstairs to my office. Sure, go ahead. I'll look around your garage alone until you get back. All right. Hey, you, look out the truck's loose. Holy mackerel. Jump on I'm jumping as far as I can. Blackie, who tried to hit you with that truck? Mr. Green? Uh, Joe, the foreman. Linda Crane, Mary. I'll tell you this, though. The reason that truck was hijacked yesterday was because the murderer thought it was full. It didn't make a stop he thought it was going to make. I don't understand. Green told me he posted a reroute order for the truck that was hijacked. This is obviously what happened. The original orders were to pick up a load at a place called Cossie's. Let's call that A. Then drive to B to reload the load. The truck was hijacked between A and B. Oh, I get it. The last-minute orders were for the truck not to stop at A. Yes. So it went straight from the garage to B, empty. But the hijacker thought it was carrying the load it was supposed to pick up at A. Yes, but who was the hijacker? I'll tell you that when I tell it to Faraday. Ah, can't I be the first to know? (laughs) Nope. And I've got to get to Faraday and tell him about finding Billy Johnson's body. Come on, let's go down to headquarters and pick him up. 
so we can take him to the big green line trucking company to pick up a killer. I have a little disappointment for you, Mr. Green. You're about to lose another of your employees. There's been more trouble, Blackie? No, but there's been enough. And to put a stop to it, I think you'd better hand your foreman here over to Inspector Faraday. What? What do the police want with me? Nothing much, Joe. Just your personal appearance in the death cell heading for that little green door. Death cell? What for? The murder of Mark Crane and Billy Johnson. Why, you're crazy. I think so, too, Blackie. I know, Faraday. You hope I'm wrong. Sorry to disappoint you, but I know I'm right. But, but Blackie, this is impossible. Now, what could Joe gain by hijacking an empty truck? And he'd know it was empty. Know it better than anybody. Yeah. Mr. Green, Joe here was the only one in this company who knew the truck was filled. It was a last-minute change yesterday that kept it from stopping at Cossie's, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Well, Joe wasn't here yesterday when that last-minute change was made. Why, that's right, he wasn't. What about that, Joe? I don't see what difference that makes. Makes a lot of difference to you. You made a mistake about that, Joe. But that isn't the only mistake you made. What do you mean? You're pretty stupid, Joe. You tried to kill me in the garage a little while ago, but I don't blame you for that. The really stupid thing you did was to leave your fingerprints on the door of that hijacked truck. Well, maybe I did, maybe I didn't, but I'm not taking any chances. I'll All right, out. Joe, don't move. Hey, hey look, wait. Put away that gun. I didn't I mean to... I know, you didn't mean to kill anybody. Come on, come on, you're going down to headquarters. Let's, 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 let's go. Don't worry, Joe. Don't worry, he'll let you go. But the place where he's going to let you go is the place where they're going to let you have it. Blackie, where are we going? I have to see our friend Madge at the rest of a while. To console her about the loss of her boyfriend, Billy Johnson? Oh, not exactly, Mary. But she gave me a tip as to where I could find him. I thought we might have a sandwich at her place and give her a little tip, too. Well, all right, as long as it doesn't involve making a date with her. <laughs> Jealous? No. But her last boyfriend was murdered. I don't want you to be the next. Next murdered and next boyfriend. You know perfectly well what I mean. <laughs> um... Blackie, Mrs. Crane denied knowing you because she was afraid she'd be involved in the murder. Isn't that right? But did that foreman say why he killed Billy Johnson, too? Same old story, Mary. Johnson was in on the plan. That's why he didn't ride the truck the night of the murder. He knew the foreman killed Crane, so the foreman had to kill him, too. Well, you made sure the foreman was caught. In fact, I'd say you saw to it that he went from the big green line right through the little green door.
Boston Blackie, starring Dick Kalmar in the Green Line Trucking Murder from July 16, 1946. Also in the cast, Leslie Woods and Maurice Tarplin is heard over ABC. All of the classic radio shows we present on this series are direct from the master recordings. I have more than 100,000 original radio episodes under license from the owners and estates, and we make them available via digital download or on CD through our Classic Radio Club. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you'll receive 10 superior-sounding classic radio shows sent directly to you each month, along with detailed liner notes and photos of the stars. You'll receive your first 10 classic radio episodes for only $1, and you can cancel at any time. To learn more about the Classic Radio Club, log on to ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. I'll have another detective episode of Boston Blackie after this short break. Welcome back to the Classic Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. This time, Blackie comes across a grandfather clock that can kill. Here's the murdering cuckoo clock, starring Dick Kalmar as Boston Blackie from July 23rd, 1946. Young lady, there doesn't seem to be much wrong with this watch of yours. <laughs> it's hard to hear it, though, with all these other clocks ticking. Well, I'm awfully glad that mine's not too bad. How soon may I have it back? Why, I don't see why you can't have it tomorrow. So soon? Oh, wonderful. Well, there's very little wrong with it. Now, I've got a pencil. <clears throat> now, if you'll give me your name. Oh, yes, of course. It's Wesley. Mary Wesley. Mary... Mary Wesley? Are you the Mary Wesley who's always seen with Mr. Boston Blackie? Oh, yes. Blackie and I generally do run around together. That is, when he isn't running after a murderer. All right, I'll be in tomorrow. Thank you very much. Goodbye, Miss Wesley. Bye. Hiya, Dad. Oh, Walter, my boy, I didn't know you were in the shop. Yes, I was back repairing that clock of Mrs. Williamson's. Old-fashioned thing, isn't it? Yes, but a beautiful piece of work, my boy. We don't very often see clocks like that these days. No, I guess not. Say, Dad, there's another type of clock you don't see much of anymore. What kind is that, Walter? The kind with a poison needle in the winding key. Did you ever see one of them? Yes, I did. In fact, I saw one in a clock shop about... Ooh, 30 years ago. Certainly looked innocent. I guess it was supposed to. Dad, could we make a clock like that? Could we make one? Well, Walter, that's a strange thing to ask. Not so strange, Dad. I just wondered if we could make a clock that would kill somebody. <laughs> And now, on to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friend. Great party, eh, Walter? Well, it certainly is, Mr. Van Horn. Glad you could get away from your father's clock shop long enough to join us. Well, so am I. Dad's been keeping me so busy lately, oh, I haven't... There you are, darling. I've been looking everywhere for you. Oh, hello, sweet... You know my wife, don't you, Walter? Sure, we've met. How's the clock business, Mr. Stone? It's great. After five years in it, I finally found out what makes it tick. <laughs> hey, speaking of clocks, where did this handsome grandfather's clock come from? Huh? It's never been here before. It came this afternoon. I thought you were buying me a present. Not that I remember. I've never seen it before. <laughs> well, maybe your wife bought it for you, Mr. Van Horn, and it costs so much that she... Uh... 
uh, forgot to tell you about but it. Now, Mr. Stone, just what do you mean? Nothing. I was just trying to be funny. Well, you know that old saying, many a truth If is... you want to speak truths, my darling husband, I have a hunch it's a gift for you from one of your feminine friends. Dear, this is a party. Excuse me. No, no, don't go, Walter. I'm sorry. Now, no more quarreling, Richard. Suits me. Say, dear, get back to this clock. I don't know where it came from, but it's running. Is it on time? Well, let's see. I have, um, 10.29. What time do you... Hmm, the same. And the clock says just a little after 10.29. Must be one of your clocks, Walter. Those instruments of yours never do keep time. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Let's not talk shop, Mr. Van Horn, especially not clock shop. I have enough of that during the day. Of course, of course you do. Let's go over and join the others for a few minutes, shall we? That's a good idea. There seems to be a... Oh, look! Walter! What was that? Walter! Quick, somebody, quick! Walter's been shot! This is unbelievable. Walter's been killed by that clock. Look, Rollins. I don't want to hear from you again till you've made that old clocksmith talk. Now get out of my office. Yes, sir, Inspector Faraday. And stay out till you get a confession from old Rat Stone. Yes, sir. I sure will. Uh, I want anything done around here. I have to do it my... I said stay out of here, Rollins. So stay out. Sorry, Inspector. The name isn't Rollins. Uh, Blackie, you stay out of here, too. What? And miss watching you make a sap out of yourself? I should say not. Now, Blackie, beat it. I've got enough on my mind. I'm sure you have. Trouble with you is you haven't got enough in your mind. Oh, no? Well, what do you want? How long will it take me so I can say no? And how soon can you get out of here? I can leave now, pal, and let you alone on the Walt Stone murder. It shouldn't take you more than two or three years to solve it. Uh, well, let me tell you something. I've already found Walter Stone's killer. What do you think of that? Nothing. Of course, I don't believe it. But uh, what led to your brilliant deduction? Well, first of all, I know how young Walter Stone was killed. By a bullet. Most people who are shot usually are, Faraday. Yes, but they're not killed by a bullet fired out of a grandfather's clock. Oh, that's where the bullet came from. Yeah. When the cuckoo came out at 11 o'clock, the clock was supposed to fire a bullet. Only the cuckoo came out at 10.30. And who could rig up a clock like that? Old man John Stone, the dead man's father. Don't be ridiculous, Faraday. The reason I'm here is that John Stone is a nice old man. He fixed Mary's watch. I suppose that clears him, huh? And I suppose you're going to tell me a father never kills a son, huh? Sure, sure. There have been plenty of cases like that. But this one isn't. If old man Stone wanted to kill his son, he wouldn't go to all this trouble to do it. Besides, how could he know his son would be standing in front of that clock at that particular time? I don't know. You can say that about almost anything and be accurate, Faraday. Ah-ha. Joke over. I suppose you know who killed Walter Stone. No. You know, Faraday, I've heard of a man killing time, but this is the first case on record where time has killed a man. What are you staring at, Madeline? This grandfather clock, Richard. It's hard to believe. You're a little bit sorry the bullet from this clock killed young Walter Stone instead of me, aren't you? A little bit sorry. My death would be quite advantageous to you, wouldn't it? You're putting it rather mildly. Mm, You amuse me, my dear wife. Your death would be equally advantageous to me. Really? Should I apologize? I'm sorry, but I don't intend to die. You don't? Walter Stone didn't intend to either. Arrangements might be made in your case, too. You're not very funny. Oh, no. I don't imagine I am, do you? I'm not very funny, but I am very alive. And also very much in my way. Imagine You know, I was just thinking the same thing about you. Association of ideas, isn't it? I wonder what either of us is going to do about it. I can't make your plans, darling. All I can make is... Now, what's the matter with a clock? What's usually the matter with a clock when it stops running? It needs winding. In that case, I'll wind it. Don't bother. Oh, but it's no bother. I rather like the sound of it. With each tick, I feel I'm coming closer to getting rid of you. The same goes for me with every tuck. You know, there's something about you that... Uh, Richard, what's the matter? uh, Richard! Richard, stop fooling! Richard, get up. Stop that very obvious play acting. All right, lie there if you like. Well, who are you? My name is Boston Blackie. What's wrong here? Something happened to my husband he'd like me to think. You're Mrs. Van Horn? Yes. You might see what's wrong with him, if anything. I certainly will. Ah. Well... Nothing's wrong with him. Mm. Nothing that can be cured, that is. Sorry, but he's dead. Dead? I'm afraid so. What was he doing just before he fell? 
Why, nothing. Nothing at all. He was just winding that clock. Winding this... Uh-huh. Nice going, Mrs. Van Horn. Now, suppose you tell me all about it. Tell you all about it? I... I've told you all I know. He was just winding that clock and suddenly he fell. Uh-huh, but I don't fall for that story. Where's your phone? Right here on this table. Thanks. Who are you calling? I'm doing something very unusual in a situation like this. I'm calling the police. No. No, please, not the police. They'll say I killed my husband and I didn't. I'll... Faraday speaking. Hello, Faraday. This is Blackie. Well, Blackie, I suppose you know by now who killed Walter Stone, huh? No, Faraday. Right now I don't even know who killed Richard Van Horn. Van Horn is dead? Yes, killed by the same clock that killed Walter. But that's impossible. We took the gun out of the clock after Walter was killed. I know, but Van Horn wasn't shot, Faraday. He was winding the clock when he got it. Which means he was tagged by that old poison needle gimmick. Poison needle, huh? A fine help you are. You go up to Van Horn's to find out who killed one guy, and the best you can do is tell me somebody else has been murdered. The best I can do, Faraday, is to find out who saw to it that his two victims got the worst of it. Here's old man Stone's cell, Blackie. Thanks, Rollins. You got company, Mr. Stone? Oh, oh, I have? Yes, Mr. Stone, my name's Boston Blackie. Oh, yes, I've heard a lot about you. And Miss Wesley, it's good of you to come to see me. Well, I asked to come, Mr. Stone, because I think maybe we can help you. Yeah, Blackie, put you and Miss Wesley in the cell with him. Don't think there's any danger from him. Thanks. Are you feeling any better, Mr. Stone? No, Miss Wesley, I, I'm afraid not. Okay, Blackie. You too, Miss Wesley. Go on in. Thank, Thank you, Lawrence. Ten minutes all you can have, Blackie. I may not need that. Sit down, Mr. Stone. No, I'd, I'd rather stand. Blackie, have you found out who killed my son? No, I haven't. But he will. You must find his killer, Blackie. I'm going to do my best. But let me ask you something. Do you know anything about a poison needle in the winding apparatus of the clock that killed your son? Poison needle? No. Well, it just killed a man. Richard Van Horn. And the police are going to think you're responsible for his death, too. No, Blackie, I swear, I swear I had nothing to do with any of this. Blackie, you'll have to be... You'll... Mr. Stone, uh, oh, uh, catch him, Blackie, he's falling. Yes. Here, I've got him. Here we are. I'll put him on the cot. Oh, Blackie... Is he dead? Uh, wait till I get him on the cot. Whew. Yeah, there. Blackie, is he dead? No, Mary. He's not dead. Oh, good. He's out, but he just fainted. Well, I've got to get to work and start winding up the case where a man just died by winding a clock. <laughs> Now back to Boston Blackie. A beautiful grandfather clock has killed two people. Walter Stone, who is suspected of putting a gun inside the timepiece, and wealthy Richard Van Horn, who was killed by a poison needle hidden in the winding key of the clock. Faraday has arrested John Stone, Walter's father, as the killer. But Blackie feels John Stone is instant. He has no suspect to replace him, however, though he has a slight suspicion Van Horn's wife, Madeline, was anxious to get rid of her husband. As we return to our story, Madeline Van Horn is talking to Kenneth Wells, who seems to be more than just a friend. Kenneth, darling, you're so sweet to me. <laughs> you're easy to be sweet to, Madeline. Am I? I'm glad. I was so afraid you'd go away after this awful thing happened to Richard. Go away? I should say not, darling. After what happened to poor Richard, I have all the more reason to stay around. Oh, you're terribly kind. I don't know what I'd do without you. I know what you can do with me, darling. Hmm? Marry me. Marry you? Sure, why not? It's what we talked about doing as soon as... As soon as... Well, now that Richard has left you, what's there to stop us? Kenneth, are you trying to say that you arranged my husband's death? Well, let me put it this way. It wasn't a bad job, was it? Why, you... Get out of here. Darling. I said get out of here and I meant get out. Madeline, darling, after all get we... Get out of my house this instant or I'll call the police. Maybe tell them about those little blackmail affairs of yours. All right, all right, but I don't know what's the matter with you. You don't, huh? Well, you'll find out if you don't stay away from me. Oh. 
Oh. I'd like to speak to Boston Blackie, please. Oh, well, I'm sorry. He's not here. This is Mary Wesley, though. May I do something for you? Yes, this is Madeline Van Horn. Where can I get in touch with Blackie? Well, just a minute, and I'll get you the number, Mr. Van Horn. Uh, I've got it right here on a pad somewhere. Just a second. Oh, yes, yes, here it is. Blackie is at the office of an attorney named Alexander. Your husband's attorney, I believe. <laughs> You think Mrs. Van Horn murdered her husband, Blackie? No, I don't say that, Mr. Alexander. She had the opportunity, yes, but I'm looking for a motive before I go any further. You're Van Horn's lawyer, and I thought that... that money might be the motive for Van Horn's murder, is that it? If it's enough money, it's enough reason for murder. Well, Blackie, according to the terms of Van Horn's will, Mrs. Van Horn does inherit a good part of his fortune, but I don't... Excuse me. Sure. Hello? Mr. Alexander, this is Madeline Van Horn. Is Boston Blackie there? Yes, just a minute. Blackie, it's Mrs. Van Horn. She wants to speak to you. Really? I'll take it. Thank you. Hello, Boston Blackie. Yes? Blackie, I think I know who killed my husband. I think I do, too, but uh, let's have your thought. I think Kenneth Wells murdered him. Kenneth Wells? Who's he? He's a man who's wanted to marry me for years. He even tried to get me to divorce Richard. I see. Well, what makes you think he killed your husband? much as said so. Well, this is very interesting. Kenneth Wells, eh? I'll go see Kenneth, and I've got an idea that all's well that ends well. Mr. Stone, I was on my way to see a man named Kenneth Wells, but I thought I'd drop by the jail and see how you feel now. Is that name Wells familiar to you? I feel better... But I, I, I don't know that name, Blackie. Mm. I'm sorry to hear that. And I'm sorry I haven't been able to find out who killed your son or Richard Van Horn either. Oh, Blackie, this is awful. And I suppose the police still think I murdered my son and Van Horn too. Probably. Look, Mr. Stone, your son worked for you, didn't he? Oh, yes, he did. Well, look, I have a theory. Did he know anything about clocks? Yes, a great deal. In fact... Just a few hours before the accident, my son asked me if a clock could be fixed to fire a gun or, or poison someone. Oh, he did, did he? Well, what does that mean? Hey, wait a minute. The gun that killed your son was fired when the clock said 10.30. It was a cuckoo clock, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Well, I had a cuckoo clock once, but it struck only on the hour. Is there such thing as a clock where the cuckoo comes out on the half hour, too? Yes, but they're rare. So rare your son maybe didn't know that the murder clock was one of them? It's very possible he didn't know. Possible? I think the fact that he was killed is proof he didn't know. Stone, I've got this whole thing figured out. Just after 10 o'clock, your son set the clock to fire the gun when the cuckoo came out at 11. At 10.30, he was standing in front of the clock and got the blast he meant for somebody else. You mean my son intended to kill someone else? No, I think your son was hired to rig that clock so it would kill somebody. I think the somebody who hired your son was Kenneth Wells. But, but you told me that Mr. Van Horn was killed, too, and by the clock. How could How you... could that have happened? I'll tell you how. Your son was playing safe. Just in case the gun didn't work, he put the poison needle in the winding key. I see. And after the gun was fired and my son was dead, Mr. Van Horn wound the clock knowing nothing of the poison needle. Yes, your son's death was accidental and so was Van Horn's. Stone, you're a free man. I am. Well, as good as free. All I have to do is find the man who hired your son to fix that clock. Then I'll fix his wagon. A fine date this has turned out to be, Blackie. Sorry, I kept you sitting here, Mary. And I'm going to leave you soon to see a man named Wells. Oh, great, great. You invite me to snoop around the Van Horn mansion for you. And what do I do? I sit here in this big room, having to smell this very heavy perfume, and then you come in just to say goodbye. Oh, well, keep me waiting and leave me shortly. That's Blackie. Whew, that perfume is heavy, isn't it? Sure But is. listen, I had a talk with the butler, and it seems that Mrs. Van Horn isn't home. Well, I could have told you that. <laughs> I don't doubt it. Well, according to the butler, a man phoned her about two hours ago. He was obviously trying to disguise his voice. Just after she talked to him, Mrs. Van Horn left and wouldn't say where she was going. So? 
So, why would a caller try to disguise his voice? Because he was known here. And? And who was better known here than Mrs. Van Horn's boyfriend, Kenneth Wells? Uh Uh-oh, I know what happens now. What? I go home like a good little girl while you go to see Kenneth Wells about being a bad little boy. Look, Wells, you're going to sit in that chair till it's an antique unless you start talking. You've got me all wrong, Blackie. I haven't done anything to talk about. You killed Richard Van Horn. Well, I certainly am surprised to hear that. Look, this is a nice little apartment you have here. But I'm going to break it up banging you around if you don't cut out that cute talk. What are you sniffing at? The cute talk? No. Something a little more pleasant. Familiar perfume. Look, Wells, you might as well start talking. I know you hired Walter Stone to rig a clock to kill Richard Van Horn. Why would I do that? To get rid of Van Horn so his wife could inherit his fortune and then you could marry her. You hired Walter Stone to rig that clock, didn't you? No, I've never even seen this Walter Stone. You saw him at the party when he was killed, didn't you? No, I was out of town the night of the party. In fact, I was out of town a whole week before the party. Just got back in town this morning. You were? Wait a minute. It gives me an idea. Van Horn could have been the one who hired Walter Stone. He's no, the... you're talking. And I think I'm making sense, too. Van Horn hired Stone to rig that clock to kill his wife. When Stone himself was killed, Van Horn thought the clock had done all the death dealing it was supposed to do. He didn't know Stone had put a poison needle in the clock, too. That's it. I'd bet on it. Okay, now that you've got it all figured out, will you please get out of here? Oh, no. No, you're not completely in the clear yet. What did you want with Mrs. Van Horn when you talked to her today? I didn't talk to her. I know better. You called her up a little while ago, disguised your voice so the butler wouldn't recognize it, and Mrs. Van Horn was here in this apartment with you not long before I arrived. Why don't you get out of here, Blackie? You're wasting your time. And I agree with him, Blackie. Faraday, what are you doing here? Running around after you, Blackie. Oh, I suppose you found me with a divining rod. No, with a phone call to Alexander, Van Horn's lawyer. He said you're on your way up here. Now I'm here to tell you to get out. Look, Faraday, with the exception of the whereabouts of Mrs. Van Horn, your case is solved. Yeah? Who solved it? Who always solves your cases? Well, I did it again. Faraday, Stone and Van Horn were killed by accident. What? Yes, by accident. And it'll be an accident if you ever understand it. I'll explain it to you later. Right now, I think you and I better go to work on Wells here and find out what he's done with Mrs. Van Horn. I tell you, I haven't even seen her. You haven't. She's been here. I'd know that perfume of hers anywhere. Blackie, why don't you leave this guy alone? Look, if those deaths were accidental, as you say, he's as innocent as I am. Sure, of killing Stone and Van Horn. But I have an idea. Good. You're leaving? Swell. So am I. Hey, hey, Blackie. Look, that's not the door to the hall. I know it. It's a closet door. I'm going to start looking for Mrs. Van Horn, or at least find proof she was here. Ah, Blackie, don't be a sap. Blackie, stay away from that door. What's the matter, Wells? You a little... Blackie, look out! Uh Uh-oh. Well, look what fell out of the closet. It's a woman. Dead. Who is she? She's corpse number three in our case, Faraday. But she was Mrs. Richard Van Horn. Mrs. Rich... Don't move, Wells. I've got a gun on you. You've also got the goods on him, Faraday. So Wells here was as innocent as you are, huh? Okay, okay, so I made a mistake. But you just found that body by accident. You didn't know Mrs. Van Horn was here. Oh, didn't I? I knew Wells was lying the minute he denied she'd been here. How? How? One whiff of a perfume and I smelled a rat. Well, Blackie... I've got it. Got what, Faraday? Measles? No, you're not that lucky. I've got a confession from Kenneth Wells. You don't say. Yeah, you can look it over. Well, read it, will you? Not the first part. That's just routine. Okay, here's the place to begin. It says, I killed Mrs. Van Horn because she knew I was in town the night of her husband's death and that I had motive for killing him. Even though I didn't kill him, I knew I'd be a suspect. Mrs. Van Horn threatened to go to the police and tell them I was in town, and I couldn't let her do that. Hmm. You can read, can't you? In small words. Hmm. Ah, Wells was a cute kid, wasn't he? Says here he was afraid of Mrs. Van Horn for another reason, too. She threatened to go to the police and expose him as a blackmailer. Well, when I get them to confess, they really confess, huh? Uh Uh-huh, yeah. But you ought to be awfully ashamed of yourself, Faraday. Hmm? 
You stood in Wells' apartment and said he was perfectly innocent when Mrs. Van Horn's body was only ten feet away from you. Well, I can't see through a closet door, can I? No, I guess not. It says here in this confession, I quote, I killed her in my apartment but didn't get a chance to get rid of her body before Boston Blackie came in. Oh, all right. So you got there before me. But I would have pinned this on Kenneth Wells sooner or later. Uh, later, of course. Faraday, I doubt whether you ever would have figured out that Richard Van Horn hired Walter Stone to rig a clock that would kill Mrs. Van Horn? No. No, and even if you did, you'd never guess that both Van Horn and Stone were killed when their plan accidentally backfired. Actually, though, you should have solved this case by yourself. Yeah? Why? Well, the first shooting was done by a cuckoo clock, and you're a little cuckoo. Yeah. And the second killing was done by a poison needle, and you're poison to me, and have been needling me for years. Yeah. Go ahead. And Kenneth Wells did keep Mrs. Van Horn's body in a dark closet. And Faraday, old pal, you've been in the dark all your life. Austin Blackie with a murdering cuckoo clock starring Dick Kalmar from July 23rd, 1946. Also in the cast, Leslie Woods and Maurice Tarplin as heard over ABC. Stick around, I'll give you our lineup for episode 84 of the Classic Radio Theater after this short break. Next time on episode 84 of the Classic Radio Theater brought to you by the Bradford Exchange, we'll hear two mystery episodes of The Whistler from 1947, so don't miss it. To reach me and to learn more about the Classic Radio Club, visit ClassicRadioClub.com. Be sure to tune in to our next show. Thanks for listening. <laughs>